we are going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, we kicked off a brand new uh, message, a new series, uh, a new message titled Financial Freedom. And so we're going to stay true to form and, and pick up where we left off last week and really continue to look at, talk about, dive in to this area of, of financial freedom. Would anybody like some financial freedom in your life? <laughs> Give me some more, Jesus. <laughs> and so, you know, you know, God wants us to be totally free, totally sold out, totally set free in every area of our lives. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, we, we put God in our little boxes. You know, I put him in my in my, my spiritual box, I want all his love and all his grace and all his mercy and his forgiveness. I want all those things inside of my life, inside my heart. Uh, and, and I want the blessing of God. Uh, and I keep them in these little boxes. But when we start talking about our wallets, and it gets a little quiet. See, when I tell you that you know God wants to work in your financial life, also we're like, Jesus, I don't know if I want you moving into my wallet. <laughs> and he wants to, but he's not going to move into a place that he's not invited. And so it, really, in order for us to step into financial freedom, we got we to gotta be willing and open to invite him into all the areas of our lives and really surrender this area of our life to him and be good stewards of what he's, what he's given us. And so God, he wants us to be totally free, including our finances. And the cool, crazy thing is, y'all, aren't we all, we're, we're all scattered all over the financial board, right? Some of us are like doing really good, and some of us are doing not so good. Uh, and if you're doing really good, man, that's awesome. Uh, but we can't ever get to a place where uh, we, we, we can't continue to get better or to grow. So if you're doing really good, man, let's that's, that's get better together. And you know what? If, if your finances right now aren't so hot, you're struggling to pay the bills. Y'all, you need to hear this word. You need some guidance from the Lord. You got to surrender this area of your life to him so he can begin to work in us and through us. So we can, we can all grow together. Let's, let's do it together. So what, what, what does it mean to be financially free? We asked this question uh, last week. We'll go ahead and hit a couple recaps before we get into the new part of our message. Uh, but, so we said it means that we're able to live and give without the anxiety that comes from financial lack. That's how the Lord, he really wants us to be able to live this way. Financial freedom, right? To, to be able to have financial freedom and liberty. To be able to live without the fear and anxiety of how am I going to continue to pay the, the light bill and the, uh, the heating bill and, and all the bills that stack up, right? We need gas to get to work. We got stuff we got to get the kids. Uh, all the stuff. And if I'm not financially free, that means I'm what? I'm, I'm financially bound to something. Financially enslaved uh, to, my, to myself, my own, my own control. I try to hold on and control my, my finances my way. And really, this is real financial freedom is when, and what God really wants us to do is to put our faith in Him instead of ourselves. Instead of putting my faith in myself. When I put my faith in myself, I actually make myself God, and I try to hold on to what I have. I try to grow my money, my finances, my way. I think I have good ideas, and so I chase all these rabbit trails, these visions, these dreams that I think I have that are going to help me make more money. And when I do that and I don't trust 
Him, I, I don't live and I don't give without that anxiety. Because I'm not trusting him. I don't see him as my provider. I don't see my blessings that they come from him. I don't see my job as a blessing from him. I see my job and all the stuff that I have to do and pay for as something that is my responsibility that I, I've done and attained myself. And I'm trying to just simply hold on to it and maintain it. Instead of being a good steward of it. Does that make sense? And so that's real financial freedom. He wants us to step into that and to begin to trust Him more. And see, when I trust Him, I experience peace and abundance. I can experience peace and abundance if I trust Him. If I don't trust Him and I trust myself, I experience anxiety and lack. I have a mentality of always feeling the, the, the never enough. Mentality. There's never, just never enough. I'm just spinning my, my wheels, spinning my gears. I feel like I'm stuck at the same place. And it's because I'm not trusting him. I'm trusting me. Amen. So he wants us to break out of that. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 8. We used this last week really as our foundation uh, scripture. I love Deuteronomy. It just lays out all the promises. Uh, and, and the promises of God are good, right? Does anybody love his promises? They're, they're good. We love his promises. There's always a but, though. Those promises are promised to us, but it's based on uh, our obedience. Our obedience by faith. He always, he always calls us higher and raises the bar, and he says, these things are available to you, but there's a responsibility, a role that I have to play as a believer if I want to step into the full blessing of what God has for me. So there in verse 1, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. The fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. Does anybody hear a theme, a promise, a message through this scripture, through the word of God? The blessing is there. He wants us to be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouse with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. So he wants us to be blessed. I hope we've established that. I hope you see that, that your God, your Father, he loves and cares about you. He cares about us. And he wants us to step into that, that blessing that he has for us. The first step to financial freedom, we said last week, is we have to believe that God wants us to be blessed and financially free. And so before this, we have to, we have to say, you know what? God, we have to believe beforehand that God wants you to be blessed. And we have to believe and we can't doubt and we can't waver. We can't be double-minded. We have to know that we know that we know that we know that he's got me. Even if I'm in a tough place, in a tough season right now financially, I got to know that he, he loves and cares about me and we got to believe that he wants me to be blessed. I hope we establish that through reading Deuteronomy. But, Knowing that he wants me to, to be blessed, when I believe that, now that I believe that, that means something has to change. 
Because if I believe that he wants me to be blessed, that means I have to live different. I have to begin to live my life differently based on what I believe about what God says. And when I do that, financial freedom can happen. And when I do that, I have to act accordingly based on what I believe. And you hear us say this all the time. It's the obedience that precedes the blessing. Obedience precedes blessing. So if I just simply do what he says, what he asks of me, and I obey, blessings come. I obey his word, signs, miracles, and wonders happen. And you got to believe and know that that's exactly what he wants to happen. And really, I believe part of this step, step one, is believing that he wants me to be blessed. I don't think we can fully walk into the, the full blessing that God wants to have for us until we, until we believe enough that we actually give to what he says. And so we do that by becoming faithful tithers. We have to step into, if we're not already stepped into this, becoming faithful tithers. Because I can tell everybody, oh, I love Jesus. He's so awesome. He wrecked my life. He changed my life. And he's amazing. And you'll tell everyone about it. And that's awesome and great. And keep doing that. But then when it comes to my wallet, I don't love him enough. He's not awesome enough for me to actually give 10% of what I make every week. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and we talked last week out of Malachi 3.10 that God says that the tithe is actually his. The 10% of what you make belongs to him. And we actually bring that back into obedience by obedience for him. Y'all, and our God loves us so much, the whole 100% is his. All of it's his. Your whole paycheck's his. But he only asks that you give him back the 10% that he asked for. And you can do more with your blessed 90 and you can't alone with the whole 100% under the curse. Amen? And so if I, I got to believe it enough to do something about it. I got to bring my actions into according to his word and what it says. So there's four reasons why God wants us to be blessed and financially free. Let's go ahead and look at that next point, the four reasons. And let me just say, uh, y'all, there are so many advantages on why God the Father wants his children to be financially free. And not just financially free, blessed so that we can be a blessing. I shared some statistics last week. Y'all, statistics say that less than 10% of believers within the church, the global church, the church worldwide are faithful tithers. Less than 10%. And they say that if the church could break through 20, even 30%, of, of faithful believers that could faithfully tithe every week, week in, week out. Y'all, we could cure certain types of cancer. We could cure world hunger. We could begin to do a lot of amazing things for the kingdom of God. We could make, we could bring heaven to earth. <laughs> if we had 60, 70, 80, 90% of the church actually began to tithe by faith, Y'all, what couldn't we do? Signs, miracles, wonders, healings, freedom, peace, world peace in Jesus' name. And so there are major advantages on why God wants his children to be blessed and financially free. The first one, y'all, he's a good father. Somebody say good father. Y'all, he, he, he loves us so much. Y'all, our father's so good that, you know what, he even blessed me in my mess. Did somebody testify to that? Even when you was jacked up, messed up, blind, deceived, 
a heathen, living like a sinner, doing all the stuff, he still protected you. So now because you've come to Christ and come to, come to know Jesus, and you know, sometimes we fall away and uh, you know, we're, still, we're not as bad as we once were, but we, we, we think like God's mad at us, and he's not mad at you. If we feel that way, it's probably because we have a, we have a sin issue we have to deal with, but he, he doesn't leave us nor forsake us. He's, he's well and able to forgive us. Amen. And so he's a good, good father. And he wants, to, he wants to bless his children. Any parents in the house? I know we got them all over the place. I know that you love your children. You're going to do whatever you can to bless them with all the stuff that they need. All the clothes. All the stuff for all the, the activities they do. And sports. You provide. You make a way, right? The Bible says that if we sinners know how to give good gifts, how much does our heavenly father know how to give even better gifts for his children who love him? And so he provides. Y'all, and I know one thing about my father as a heavenly parent, my father as a provider, as Jehovah Jireh, he don't struggle. He paid the bills. He paid the bills on time. Actually, he's like one of them, one of them really, uh, people who are really good stewards of their money, you know, like they go ahead and just pay like their bills all up a year in advance. He pays his bills like an eternity in advance. And so he provides, he makes a way, he's a good, good father. Number two. We represent him and the blessings we have glorify him. And y'all, there's nothing more that we do as believers as carrying the responsibility of representing Jesus out there. Because if you believe in Jesus and you tell everybody that you do, all the people you work with and uh, people you come in contact with, and you ain't living a certain way, you ain't living the way Jesus is calling you to live, and you're telling the world that you believe in this, this dude, Jesus, and he is the dude and I represent a, a false Jesus. Now the world responds and reacts to Jesus because of how I've represented him in a wrong way. I shared last week, I don't believe that the world will ever reject the real Jesus. Everybody can read the stories, the gospels, see, see the movies, everything that's ever been told about him and be like, that ain't him. Man. That, that dude's the dude. But the world does reject believers that represent him wrong. And so we have to represent him, and that's why he wants his children to be blessed. You know, we got to take care of the things that he's blessed us with. You know, I don't believe God wants us all to be millionaires, you know, but we should be in, in decent cars and, and, and in decent homes and, and, and be dressed appropriate and, and talk appropriately and have our, brush our teeth and comb our hairs and take care of ourselves, being good stewards of what God has, has given us because if I serve the king of kings and my father's Royalty, that means I'm grafted in. I'm royalty as well. And so I need to act like a prince or a princess or a king or a queen. Because I represent him. So i got to take care of what I have. And I still strive for the better things. Number three, bless people, bless people. And this is why God wants us to be financially free. Because when I'm financially free, when I don't have to worry or, or stress about having not enough, I can live and give without the anxiety. I can, I can bless people within my church. And, and I can help uh, hurting broken people. And I can faithfully give and tithe. The tithe is the first fruit. You're supposed to give them the first fruit before you pay the bills. So do you trust them enough to pay your tithes before you pay your bills? It don't take faith to pay your bills first and then give God the leftovers. That ain't faith. And so, but he wants us to be a blessing so we can bless others. And number four, the vision of God requires... Money. <laughs> the vision of God provi or, uh, requires provision. The vision requires 
provision. And so in order for, we talked about this building last week, in order for us to get this building, people by faith at our Arab campus had to give to the vision, right? It, it, it takes money. We, we need money to live and operate in this place. And so we got to be good stewards of what God is, is giving us and trying to get us to step into. Amen? Let's look at that first new point this morning. That's all the recap. So the, the, the second step really to our financial freedom is that we have to understand money. I feel like a lot of us, we have a backwards uh, mentality of money. Really not a backwards mentality. We see money with our natural eyes. We see money the way the world and movies depict money. And we, we don't understand money for what it really is. Y'all, money is just money. Somebody say, just money. It's a tool. That's it. Uh, and money, if we're not careful, can take the place of God, and we can make it an idol and a false God. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not on guard, I can live my life chasing money, and I'm not chasing God. And so we have to understand that we have to understand money. We have to understand that we need it to live and operate in this world. Nothing's changed. Even in biblical times, they needed money. Uh, but when we see money for what it really is, just a tool, now I can begin to mature and start to experience financial freedom in my life. Because if I see it as just money, it ain't all that, just a bag of chips. Yeah, I need it, but I don't, I don't, it's not my substance. It's not the thing that's going to give me joy. It's not what gives me my peace. I get my peace and my joy and my strength from the Lord. And so, you know, yeah, I need money, but my joy can't dif differentiate based on how much of it I have or how much of it I don't have. I, you know, I need to be in relationship with money, but it's not my everything. We have to understand that money is just money. Let's look at that next point. And also, as, as we understand money, we have to look at it and see that money, it's not necessarily good or evil. Money is a tool, it's just a tool that can produce good or evil. See, money is, is, is blameless. Money is innocent. Money is neutral. But the money can be used for good or for evil based on the hearts of men and women. Based on the condition of my heart will judge whether or not I'm going to use that money to bless my father, bless my church, bless my community, bless my family, bless all the things I really love and care about, or am I going to use it for evil? And we have awesome, amazing people in the world that, that use their money for good. People start foundations. People open orphanages. We have all sorts of recovery homes. We have a recovery home ourselves in Liberty Church, the set-free home. It just transitioned from the Sunshine House. We've had a woman's home. And so well, what happens when we do those things, right? The world changes. People get better. People come to know Jesus. People come to know the truth. And so we need to have a right heart so that good things can happen because money's neutral. On the flip side of that, do people use money for evil? Yes. All sorts of evil. To continue to spread deception, continue to spread lies, continue to spread evil. Y'all, one of the most evil things on the global scale right now is the child sex trafficking. Y'all, it's global. It's here in Alabama. You know what funds that? Money. 
But the money ain't evil. It's our hearts. Does the world need Jesus? How are we going to change that? More Jesus. We need more Jesus so that the world can become a better place. When I recognize that money is just a tool, y'all, it helps me refocus and prioritize what is most important in my life. When I see money for what it is, just a tool, just money, it helps me refocus and prioritize what's really most important. God, my family, my friends, and so on and so on and so on and so on. An order of importance. Because, see, the thing is, if I chase money, I don't have a right relationship with money, those things actually fall to the wayside. Money is supposed to enhance those things in my life, right? It's supposed to come alongside and make those things healthier and better and better. It's supposed to, money got, it comes from, from God and it's supposed to enhance my relationship with God so I can advance his kingdom by using money. It's supposed to enhance my family. I'm supposed to be a good steward of what God has given me. And so I need money, so I, I hope to provide for a, a nice house, a uh, nice car, college funds, emergency funds, Bills paid in advance, have it, have it saved, I'm, I'm tithing, I'm giving. And it's supposed to enhance these things. And see, we got to be on God because if I don't do it the right way, I do it the way the world says I should. And the world says everything's about money. If you ain't got it, you ain't cool. If you ain't got it, you ain't the man. If you ain't got it, you ain't got enough. You're struggling because you ain't got the money. Because the money ain't the answer to all your problems. But if I'm not careful and I do that, that's exactly how I'll feel. I'll feel like I'm on a cycle of death. Anybody ever been in a job that you hate? Or maybe you're there right now? And that's literally all you feel that you do. You wake up, you eat, you sleep, you go to work. You wake up, you eat, you sleep, you go to work. You wake up, you eat, you sleep, you work. What are you doing? You're chasing money. You've lost sight of what's really important. And we need to check our hearts and line our hearts up, back up with him, and say, you know what, God, I'm going to chase you, and the money will come. I'm going to chase you and the money will come. And now I experience peace when I reprioritize it. It's about God. It's about my family. It's about my friends, the things that are most important. And when I chase God, I see that and I realize that, that the money is just a tool to enhance these things in my life. 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many, many sorrows. Greediness will pierce yourself through many sorrows. You can avoid many sorrows by stop being greedy and trying to hold on to and contain and the the life that I've built without without allowing God to work through me. And so here's the thing: when we love money more than we love God, all types of evil await. When I love money more than I love God, all types of evil await. But when I love God more than I love money, signs, miracles, and wonders transpire in our lives. That's the correct order. We chase God. We use money as a tool. Ecclesiastes 10.19. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers 
everything. Here's King Solomon, right? The son of David. Uh, he wrote the book of Proverbs, the most wisest man in the world. He sees, he recognizes that money's a good thing. Money uh, can answer a lot of problems. The more money you have, the, sometimes the more problems you have. But sometimes if you have enough money, you can fix some things in your life. Come on, somebody. But here's the thing. Money ain't the answer. Jesus is the answer. Money ain't the answer. It's good. But if my heart ain't right, it's just going to corrupt me even more. We're going to look at what that means here in a moment. Jesus is the answer. So it's just a tool. Money does not, the next point, what I was leading into. So money, money doesn't corrupt, nor does it enlarge our hearts. Money cannot make me love people more. The more money I have, I'm not, it's not going to make me love people more. It's not going to enlarge my heart. It's not going to make me any more evil than I already am if I have a bunch of money. But what it does do is it reveals the true condition of our hearts. Yeah, that's good. Somebody say amen. Money does not corrupt, nor does it enlarge our hearts. It reveals the true condition of our hearts. It reveals our priorities, our loyalties, and our passions. Matthew 6, 21. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it doesn't corrupt or enlarge our hearts. It reveals the true condition of our hearts, and it reveals our priorities, loyalties, and passions. Do you know how I could uh, see where we all really stand and where we're, we're really at? The greatest reflection of our heart? By checking your bank statement. If we just look at our bank statement, I can begin to see and gauge the true condition of my heart. I hope you pay your bills. I hope you're doing the things. But see, here's the thing. You know, we do fun things and we... And we spend money on all sorts of stuff, stuff that we really don't need. And we'll see our loyalties and our passions and the things we're saving for and the things that we're doing. We can look at it by looking at our bank statement, our debit card, transactions, all of our stuff. And here's the thing. Y'all, some of us are given more, uh, we have more loyalty and more passion and we're given more financially to Burger King and McDonald's on a weekly basis than we are to Jesus. I have more loyalty and passion for the amount and types of fast food that I eat on a weekly basis than I am bringing in to the house of God every week. Is there something wrong with that? It reveals the condition of my heart. And I'm not saying going out to eat's bad, man. You can go out to eat, but if you're doing all the stuff $5 here, $4 here, $4 there. And we're telling ourselves, man, I just can't step into tithing. I just, I can't afford it yet. Y'all, let me just say that's a lie from the enemy. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you just simply by faith start tithing. And I've been there, done that. I shared that last week. And my life changed when I became a faithful tither. God took me to a new level of ministry, a new level of, of authority, a new level of anointing when I began to bring my, my, my tithe and finances under him. And so our, our loyalties and passions are divided. And he wants us to bring them in to him. And, and, and that's so wrong and it's so backwards. It, it reveals the condition of my heart. 
And I got, I got a story I want to share. It's, it's a personal story that I don't share all the time. I don't share it with a lot of people. But I feel like the Holy Spirit definitely told me to share this story. And it's one of the toughest parts of my life that I walked through. Uh, it's really before I came to know Jesus. I wasn't saved yet. It was back in 2009. I was still in the Navy. Lost as lost could be. Uh, but my dad died. I was about 24, 25 years old. And you know what? I was really so blessed. I didn't even have to deal with death until I was, that was the first, first death I had to deal with. My dad was awesome. He, 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 my parents were divorced, but he was there for us. And I had an amazing dad. Uh, and when he died, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't take it well. And I was already addicted to alcohol. Uh, but when he died... He loved us so much and he planned for us, for us kids, it's me and my brother and I ha also have a half brother and a half sister and uh, we were going to inherit, he, he set a, a, enough money aside for us to inherit $30,000 and I came home to see the funeral and after the funeral, went back to my command and, and about three weeks later I was kicked out of the Navy because I, I got in trouble drinking. Now I'm kicked out of the Navy. My dad's dead. I'm lost. But I got all this money. And I told myself when I get home, man, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to do all that stuff I always wanted to do. I'm going to live like a rock star. Y'all, and it's a miracle I'm alive. And I don't share this story because I still battle with the guilt of what I did, just blowing that inheritance that my God intent, that my father intended to bless me with and wasting it. Wasting it on evil. Strip clubs, hotels, drugs, alcohol. And it was gone in less than two months. Oh, it's a miracle I'm alive. And I don't know if it's part of God's plan because that's what got me to my rock bottom. That's what got me to Teen Challenge because I literally had nothing left. I was on life support. But all that amount of money, what did it reveal? It revealed my heart, my evil heart. Y'all, what, what, what the devil meant for, for evil though, God turned into his good. And I'm so thankful that I have a testimony now. Amen. But I just want to share that with you to show you no amount of money is going to fix your life. A big amount of money might kill you. So, so don't pray to God for more money. Pray to God because you love him. And he'll take care of you. My prayer is that I have just enough. Enough to to pay my bills, for us to have a great life, and enough to save, enough so that, so that I don't sin against my God, and I pray that I don't have not enough to where I can't do those things. I believe that's what keeps me in a right place with Him. Amen. The next point. Our relationship with money affects our relationship with God. We cannot serve God and money if our hearts are not right towards money. Then we will be mastered by money and enslaved by debt or by increase. 
And so we have to be in relationship with money, but it's not, it's not supposed to rule over us. We have to be in a, in a right, healthy relationship with God first. See, I wasn't in a right relationship with God at all when I inherited that money that was supposed to be a blessing. And because of that, it almost killed me. I was enslaved and mastered by that thing, by, by that spirit of mammon. See, the stronger my relationship with God, the better and more wiser I become with the money that he gives me. The stronger my relationship with him, the father, the, 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 the more wiser and, and, and stronger I become. The less debt I will have, come on somebody, and the more increase I'll experience. I want more increase and less debt. I don't know about you. Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can have two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot do it. One's going to take the place of the other. So I really want to challenge us. If that's out of whack, y'all, today's a new day. Today is a new day. Y'all, and tomorrow, guess what? Ain't promised. So let's take advantage of today to make for a better tomorrow. Let's put it how it's supposed to be. God before money. See, and when money is our master, it perverts my relationship with God. It robs and rules over us. And it doesn't just rob and rule over us. It doesn't just pervert my relationship with God. It actually becomes a false idol, a false God in my life. And I can't serve both. I have to serve one or the other. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If I'm in a wrong relationship with money, I become a slave. If I become in a, a wrong relationship to money, I become a slave. Y'all, and you know what? Money is a terrible master. Somebody hears what I'm saying, say, terrible master. <laughs> I've been there, done that. I just shared a part of my testimony on how that, that master treated his servant. It almost killed me. Started with my heart, but I was chasing money, and it's a terrible master. It doesn't love you. It doesn't care about you. It, it's, it's not proud of you. It doesn't want to help you. It's a terrible master to have. Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. I love how he compares that. That's uh, King Solomon as well out of Ecclesiastes. Uh, comparing that to vanity. If, if I get my joy by all the money I have and I just collect it and look at it, uh, I'll never be satisfied by that thing that I'm, I'm so have a vanity of, about, or increase. If, if I just chase, constantly chase more and more and more and more and more, I'll never be filled. Any addicts in the house, you know what I'm talking about. You started out, it was, it, it, you got high, you got drunk, it was amazing the first time, and then in order to get back to where you was the last time, you had to, you had to drink more, you had to smoke more, you had to continue to do more and more and more, and you're chasing this, this, this thing that doesn't exist. It's vanity. It's pride. It's a sin of vanity and pride. 
And God says, you can't, you can't be satisfied with this stuff. There'll never be enough money to satisfy you in your life. Enough money to fix all your problems. Because some of us have some spiritual problems in the inside that only Jesus can fix. So here's the thing. God says, if you chase Jesus, you'll be satisfied. If you chase Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am, you'll be satisfied. Even if you don't have enough money right now to fix the stuff that you're, you're wanting to do in your life, you'll be satisfied. You can have peace. Because he's the Prince of Peace. You've got to invite him in. And your life can change. Your life can change. Can we have the worship team to come? Our last point And this is really going to tie. We're going to do one more week of of financial freedom next week. It's going to really tie in great to our next uh, message next week. But I really love this last point. So if you're taking notes or you're, you're online on the notes, write this down, highlight it, put a star by it. We were created to serve God and use money. Not serve money and use God to get more money. A lot of us, we don't mean nothing by it, but we, we maybe been doing it backwards. We're created to serve God and use money. That's it, just money. To advance his kingdom, to advance my family, to, to, to do the things that God's calling me to do, for it to freely flow through me, you know, to have an, open, an open-handed concept. See, if I hold on to my money like this, if I hold on to my life like this, if I hold on to my, all the stuff I have like this, God can't use me because he wants me to open my hands for money to freely flow through me and the love of God to flow through me. And so we're created to serve God and use money, not serve money and use God to get more money. See, God's not a personal genie. We can't just serve him and, and live for him based on what we're going to get because I live for him. Y'all, I haven't been a faithful tither and giver for the last seven years of my life just because I think he's going to continue to bless me with $100 bills here and $100 bills there and, and, and this and that. And I could stand up here and testify of stories that happened in my life when I began to take that step. He met me. He said, you know what, I'm going to prove myself that what you're doing is, is what you're supposed to be doing. But I don't give because of those things. I give because I love God. And I, I want to do right by my father. And I, I, I give because I love my family. I want my family to be blessed. And I give because I love my church. And I love y'all. And I love our community. And if I give, it makes my church better. It makes y'all better. It makes our community better. And so when you give, you actually, you know, when you give, you begin to own that thing. Are you giving because you want to own what you're a part of? You can own what you are a part of by giving. Y'all, and I give because he gave. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he gave his best. And so us as believers, we got to love God so much that I lay my life down and say, you know what, God, I'll give whatever it is that you ask of me. God, I'll give because I love. He loves, so he gave, so I love, so I give. When we choose him out of love and invite him into our financial circumstances, no matter what it looks like, no matter what our financial circumstances look like, and when I truly serve him, money is just money, and my joy and strength is renewed because it comes from him.
because it comes from Him. And here's the good news. I know it comes from Him, and so no matter what my my financial circumstances look like, I know that He doesn't change. No matter what my final, any circumstance looks like, He's the same. He's the constant. He ain't going to change and and fluctuate by emotions. We talked about it this morning, the cross. When Jesus said, amen, it's finished, that's it. He's proven his love. And he's the same. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're going through something tough, I know this is kind of a practical, logical message on money, but it ties, everything ties in spiritually. We're talking about the condition of our hearts. Whatever you're going through, if you need a miracle, you need a breakthrough, God's the same. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not mad at you. He doesn't judge you. He wants you just to respond to him. So if he's been speaking to you this morning, showing you something this morning, then why wait? If he's really speaking to you right now, the the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, speaking to you right now, your heart's beating, 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 beating. He's affirming that he's real in your life. Why wait? Why keep waiting? Let's respond today. Let's respond today, amen. I want to ask, let's just all just get in his presence. Just get in his presence. And sit, sit before him. Sit at his feet. Sit at the feet of Jesus. If you're here this morning, and, and maybe you need a you need a miracle in your life financially. And maybe you you the Lord's showing you that maybe you haven't been such a great steward of what God's given you. Or maybe you're not honoring God with the tithe or, or, or the offering. And maybe that's something the Lord's revealing to you. If that's something that you want to do and you can change it today, you can step in and step up to what God's calling you. You know what? Why waste another day? You've tried everything else. So if that's you, if, you're gonna, if you feel like you're about to step into something new, a new season, a new level of love and a new level of giving, I want you right now just to, to simply raise your hand. If God showed you something today, you're going to, amen, there's hands going up. New levels, new devils in Jesus' name. We're, we're bringing it back into the obedience of the Father. There are hands going up, hallelujah. God, we thank you for your word. God, right now I just pray over each and every person who's lifted their hand. God, I know you see them. God, I know you know their names. God, I know you know their season, their circumstance. God, I know you know their heart. God, and their heart's got to be in a good place if they're being obedient by faith right now by raising their hand. God, I know you're going to bless that out of that. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that even next week, next Sunday, God, that they have a testimony. God, when they come into church because they stepped into something you called them to do, God, that you responded and proved it true in their life. God, that you bless them in such a real, mighty way, God. In Jesus' name I pray. I want to do one more thing before we go into worship for one more song before we're dismissed. If you're here with us this morning, uh, we're talking about inviting Jesus into our wallet, so to speak. I know this is a practical message. I want to, you know, and you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. We call it being born again or getting saved. And that's where it has to start. You've got to surrender your life to Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you've never done that. You want to do that. Or you know what? Maybe you've done that. You've asked them into your heart before, but you've fallen away, and you need 
You need to make a decision for Christ today. You need to rededicate your life because you ain't right with God. You know, if something happened today that, that you don't know where you're going. So if that's you, one of those two, two people, I want you right now, everybody's praying. We're praying and believing for you. And if God's speaking to you right now and you know it's you, I want you just to stand up right now. Stand up for him to change your life, to accept Christ in your life. You don't have to, you don't have to be fearful and doubtful and mad and angry and jealous anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. Your life can change. Y'all, when you have a church that will come alongside you and help you, and I know standing up in front of people in a public place can be intimidating. Y'all, and you say, why do I have to stand? And I say, man, you have to stand because Jesus, the Son of God, man, he went to a cross, beaten, broken, bled, shed his blood, died, crucified, naked, beaten beyond recognition on a cross for your salvation, for you right now, for this moment for you to accept him and change your life. And don't listen to the enemy or the devil. If that's you, to stand up. To stand up right now. A few more seconds.